Welcome to the Latin Tutor Podcast. If your child is struggling in Latin, then look no further. My name is Emma Williams, and I'm here with practical tips and strategies to help you to help your child. Or maybe you're a teacher, wondering about the best approaches to the trickiest concepts in this unforgiving subject. With my 21 years as a teacher of Latin, as well as a private tutor, I've got a lot of experience to share with you. So if you're ready, incipiamus, let's begin. Welcome to episode three of the Latin Tutor podcast. Now we're really going to get down to business this time, thinking about vocabulary learning. Now this is something that it's very tempting for students to leave until the last minute, so just prior to a test or prior to an examination. This is a huge mistake. It might seem tempting to leave vocabulary learning as low priority on the grounds that children can, of course, always refer to a vocabulary list or a dictionary while they're studying. But this is an enormous mistake. By avoiding the process of rote learning as they go, what students are doing to themselves is putting themselves in cognitive overload every time they pick up their textbook. Now, what I mean by cognitive overload, let me explain. Whenever you look up a word in a dictionary or on a vocabulary list, you are having to go through a process of looking at it and then holding it in your head while you refer back to what you were doing. Now that's just at the same time as you're grappling with a new concept or or trying to understand something new. That's using what's called your working memory. Working memory is incredibly limited. At best guess we can hold a really tiny handful of things in our head at any one time, between three and six, maybe seven, but that's seriously pushing it. Think back to the last time you tried to follow a recipe. So if you look at the list of ingredients and it will have, say, 50 grams butter, 150 grams of flour, 100 grams of sugar... Then you look down at the instructions and it says, combine the butter, the flour and the sugar. Now, I will place a huge bet that by the time you've read the instruction for what to do, you've already forgotten the measurements of those three ingredients. And you have to look back up to the ingredients list to find them again. That is how limited your working memory is. You read something and it virtually instantaneously disappears. So if children are relying on a vocabulary list or a dictionary to help them with their homework, they're going through that process constantly. So imagine you're translating a sentence and most or even all of the words in that sentence are unfamiliar to you and therefore you have to look up every single one. By the time you've looked up one and grasped that, then you start to think about the next one and how that fits in to the structure of the sentence and you've forgotten the first one. Now, that's why a lot of students use the method of writing down the meaning of the word above each one as they go. And again, that often scuppers them because then what they're not doing is thinking about how the sentence fits together as a whole. Because, again, they're focusing on what each individual word means because they've had to look it up. 
So if your child is really struggling with Latin grammar, it is worth asking yourself whether a lack of vocabulary is contributing to the problem. Because if their working memory is constantly overloaded, they're going to struggle to grasp new concepts. Learning vocabulary can really help to alleviate the strain. So now I've made the case for vocabulary learning from the beginning, let's look at the best approaches towards learning vocabulary. Fortunately, we know so much more about that process than we used to, and more and more classroom teachers are becoming informed about what works and what doesn't. So it may be that your child is already getting some really good advice from the school. But if not, here's what works. Fundamentally, and most importantly, your child must be testing themselves from the beginning. Even if they're facing a list of words that they say they don't know, they've never seen them before, the first thing they should do is cover up the meanings and begin by testing themselves. I know that might seem strange, but the process of testing yourself forces your brain to concentrate on what you're looking at. Just staring at a word and, and its meaning, that isn't going to work. Your child will find themselves thinking about something else that's frankly more interesting. To succeed at memorization, a child needs to engage with the process and the best way to force them to do so is to test them. Now, how do we do that? Well, it's really important that your child is tested on small amounts, little and often. And I cannot stress this enough. So if their Latin teacher has set them, say, 30 words to learn in a week, which is not impossible, your child will need to tackle that repeatedly in short bursts. So this is a really different approach to homework from the norm. Many schools, for example, have a policy about how much time a child in a particular year group should be spending on homework for a particular subject. Now, let's take the school I used to work in. For a year seven child, that might be 30 minutes a week for Latin. But you don't want to be sitting them down to do their homework in 30 minutes. You want to spread that 30 minutes in short five minute bursts throughout the whole week. That's the only way it's going to work. Start with, say, 10 words from your list of 30. Spend five minutes testing your child on those 10 words. Then come back to them five minutes again later in the day. Then on the next day, you want to add on another five. So you're repeating the process of testing them on the first words and then adding in a few more. Next day, add five more and so on. I promise you that by the end of the week, your child will be confident with the words. Now, why is this level of repetition necessary? Well, this all hangs on how memory works. And some experiments that were run over a hundred years ago by a psychologist called Ebbinghaus. Now, he set himself the challenge of learning what was actually a list of nonsense words, which, let's face it, Latin words may well be, 
uh, to your child. So he was just making up a list of words. So he made it really challenging for himself. And he said, I'm going to see how I can learn these. Now, the experiments that he did proved that if he just learnt the words in one sitting, so repeated them, tested himself until he was fully confident, and then came back to them a few days later, he'd forgotten 90% of what he'd learnt. Now, that probably doesn't come as a surprise to any of us. We all know that that's how it works. But when Ebbinghaus went through the same process, but repeated the testing regularly, once or twice a day, after the same period of time, so a week later, he remained almost 100% confident with all of the words that he'd learned. So that process of spacing out your learning and testing yourself repeatedly is the answer and it's proven to be so through research. So let's think more about that testing process and talk about flashcards. Now the intelligent use of these is really important. Flashcards are a brilliant tool when it comes to vocabulary learning. You can use the traditional method of physical cards or you can use an online version which has the advantage of speed and efficiency. So for example if you've got access to an electronic list of vocabulary you can just copy and paste them to create your Quizlet flashcards. I spend a lot of my time doing exactly that. I'm a huge fan of Quizlet and you can gain access to my own flashcards via my website. So if you're doing either of the GCSE specifications or if you're doing level one, two, three at common entrance, you will find all of my flashcards have been already created. But I did say intelligent use of flashcards. So let me explain what I mean. First of all, it's really important that your child doesn't spend hours making flashcards look pretty. There's no point in drawing lovely pictures all over them. Many people confuse the evidence-informed method of dual coding. That's the process of combining words with a visual stimulus with just putting a picture on it. Now, in my experience, the use of images has close to zero impact on a student's ability to learn vocabulary. Because basically, it can just turn into a ridiculous game of say what you see. For example, if I show you the Latin word femina with a cartoon picture of a woman next to it, I'll place a bet you'll be able to tell me that the word means woman. But what have you actually learnt? Well, frankly, nothing. You've recognised a picture of a woman, and that's something that a two-year-old can do. Much better to consider the meaning of the word feminine and fix the Latin word in your head through an understanding of derivatives. So discussing derivatives with your child is something that I'll come back to shortly. Another thing to bear in mind about flashcards is that you really have to make sure that your child is using them to test themselves. So that's a process called retrieval and not simply to reassure themselves that they know the answer. That's called recognition. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, 
research shows that one of the biggest mistakes students make is to flip the cards too swiftly. So students become convinced that they know the meanings of the words, when in fact what they're doing is recognising the answer. And it can be surprisingly difficult to discipline yourself out of this, especially if you're a young child. The way to guard against this is you can encourage your child to use different activities on Quizlet. So, for example, the learn feature forces them to type in their answer. Alternatively, supervise them and you can be in charge of the flip, basically. So if you are testing them, either using the electronic flashcards or a physical pack, if you're in charge of when the card is turned over, you can make sure that they're not just recognising they are actually giving you the answer. Another temptation that children tend to give into with flashcards is to keep testing themselves on the ones that are most familiar. It's important to remember that flashcards are a tool to help your child learn the words they don't know. So you should be encouraging them to separate out the words that they've gained confidence with and spend longer on the ones that they're struggling to recognise. That said, another mistake that research shows tends to happen with flashcards is that children overestimate their level of confidence with words they've already learned. So it is important that they re revisit the no problem pile regularly. So ones that they think they know, definitely they should revisit, but the gaps they leave between that could and should be longer than the ones that they're actively working on. My final thing to say about flashcards is how important it is to shuffle the deck. This is crucial. Your brain works by mapping links between things that it's learning. That's what it is good at. Now, as a result, it has a strong tendency to remember things in order. So the danger of learning a list of words, either on an actual list or in a pack of flashcards, is that you'll remember them in order, but as soon as they're out of order, you won't recognise the individual words. So Quizlet has a shuffle option. And of course, if you're using physical cards, make sure that you shuffle them regularly. So that's the lowdown on flashcards. Let's focus now on something I mentioned earlier, which is derivatives. Derivatives are words that come down into our own language and other languages that derive from Latin and originate from the Latin. In English, to be fair, it's usually that they've come to us via French, but we can just skim over that. Ultimately, their origin is from Latin. Focusing on derivatives not only helps children with their vocabulary learning, but it will develop their knowledge and understanding of their own language, and indeed any other languages that they're studying. Furthermore, it will consolidate their learning because their brain will be linking its newfound knowledge to prior and future learning. And that all helps with its innate mapping skills that I mentioned earlier. Does your child know what the word procrastinate means? <laughs> if they don't know the word, I bet they're a past master at doing it. Well, if they're trying to learn the meaning of the word crass, which means tomorrow in Latin, you could talk to them about the fact that to procrastinate 
means to put something off until tomorrow. Likewise, from the Latin donum, gift, we get words like donate and donation. Of course, if your son or daughter is learning Spanish or French, there will be infinite links between those languages and the Latin. So, for example, the French for son is fils, spelled F-I-L-S, and that's from the Latin filius. The Spanish for always is siempre, and that's from the Latin semper. So the list is endless and really should help your child with their studies in all of their languages and with their English. A really good tactic as your child gains confidence is to select a passage from their textbook that they've translated in the past, but encourage them to have a go at it without reference to their vocabulary lists. They could then highlight any words that trip them up and take a note of them. If they're working towards an examination, do make sure that they're using a book that's tailored to the vocabulary from the examination board's list. So, for example, uh, lots of you will have children who are doing the OCR GCSE. And there is a textbook called Latin to GCSE by Henry Cullen and John Taylor. Um, if they're doing common entrance, there are all sorts of textbooks, uh, for example, Latin for common entrance by N.R.R. Alton. Those will all be aimed at the right kind of vocabulary that your child needs to know. In episode two, I explored the fact that one of the things that makes Latin difficult is the fact that it's heavily inflected. That means that words change and they look very different in different forms. Now, you can't shy away from that if you really want to master your vocabulary. For example, if you learn the word rex, that means king in Latin. But if your child doesn't make themselves aware that as it declines, the stem changes to reg. So, for example, in the accusative case, the word will be regem. Now, they're going to struggle to recognise that if they haven't made themselves aware of that different stem. Worth bearing in mind that the noun was much more common in its inflected form, so in its form that had changed, and therefore the English derivative often comes from that. So, for example, from the word rex, we get the word regal, which means royal, and you can see that it comes from the stem change, the reg, rather than its original form. So it really is worth being aware of what happens to words as they change. My final piece of advice is that it's worth asking your teacher if they have a list of high frequency words. So words that come up a lot in the examination. Now, if your child is sitting the OCR, GCSE, then you're in luck because I spent a fascinating couple of days during one summer holiday, looking back at all the past papers, um, putting them all into a computer and getting it to work out which of the words came up most frequently. I believe that Henry Cullen has done exactly the same for the WJEC specification. So if you want to get in touch with him on Twitter, he might be able to share that with you. You can get in touch with me for the OCR list.
Thank you for listening to episode three of the Latin Tutor podcast. I hope that you'll join me again because next time I'll be taking a close look at GCSE set texts. Set texts. Texts that are set. That's literature. Might be better to go with that. Could get yourself into a whole load of trouble with the phrase set texts. <laughs>